Today's reading will be from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. That's Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who also call, who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Good morning, church. Who is God? This is the question that we're trying to answer in this month's and next month's sermon series. It's called, What We Believe About God. And so far, we've been reminded of a few things about God. First, that God is a relational God. He desires a relationship with you and with me and with every person in this world. And the second thing is tied to that, that God is not a distant God. He wants to be near his creation. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be far. And this is why Jesus Christ, called Emmanuel, God with us, came to earth and took human form so that he could serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And finally, last week, Miles reminded us of the nature of God, that God is compassionate, he is loving, he is merciful, and he is forgiving. This morning, I would like us to dig deeper in our knowledge of who God is. We are going to dig deeper in our knowledge and understanding of the one true God. So today, I would like to talk to you about knowing God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're essentially talking about a concept that describes this uh, idea that the one God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, that, that is referred to as this, Trinity. Raise your hands if you've heard this word before. Okay? Raise your hands if you've seen this word in the Bible. No, don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. That's a trick question. This is not in the Bible. This term, Trinity, you can't find it in the Bible. But the concept and the truth behind this doctrine, behind this teaching is everywhere in the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Now, I can hear or appreciate some of you might say, Jay, if this word is not in the Bible, why are we even talking about it right now? Fair enough. But don't you know that in the church, we use so many words that you can't find in the Bible, at least none that's translatable directly into the Greek and into the Hebrew of the Bible. Beginning with the word Bible itself. You can't find the word Bible in the Bible. Do you guys know that? Because the Bible uses scriptures instead. The word relationship, can't find that there. Instead, the Bible uses the word fellowship instead. Because fellowship is actually deeper than the word relationship. But we use relationship today because we understand what relationships are. The same thing with the words responsibility, leadership, and Christianity can't see them in the Bible. Perhaps translations today that are later, you would find that in there because the concept and the truth are found in the Bible for these words. That's why we use them. It's the same thing with this word Trinity. 
The early church used this term to refer to the one God in three persons. That's what it means. One God in three persons. This is who God is. He is not just one God, but there's also within that Godhead a community of three persons in that same God. I know it's tough to fit that in all in, in, in our minds, in our little minds. It's tough because when we say there's three people there, we see this, there's three people there. There's not one, but three. But this difficulty that we have in trying to fathom the God of the universe is normal because he is God and we are people. But that difficulty might lead us to think, Jay, you know what? Can we just, just believe in God and leave it at that? Let's just not talk about this. Let's just believe in God. That's it. Just preach that, not this. We can't do that because then we will not really know the God who revealed himself to us as the one God in three persons. The early church came up with this, not because they wanted to, but because they made sense of what they read in scripture. And this is what we are going to do today. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Trinity and we are going to uh, appreciate the fundamental uh, aspect of the Trinity, that this is really fundamental in our faith, in our belief. If we are to believe in God, we need to believe that he is one God in three persons. And the reason is because if we do not do that, if we do not know God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are not going to appreciate Scripture as is revealed to us. We are not going to appreciate the work of God in creation, in salvation, in discipleship, in sanctification, in relationship, and in, uh, in, in the later um, uh, consummation of when we realize the hope that we have in Christ. We will not be able to appreciate those without the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together in one Godhead. So this morning, what we're going to do is we are going to um, confirm in our minds and in our hearts that the Trinitarian uh, nature of our one true God is biblical, is founded in Scripture, and then we're going to appreciate why we need to talk about this, why we need to believe in this, why this is essential in our faith and practice as the church. So we're going to talk about the one God first. So I'm going to say this a lot today. God is one in three. Right now, we're going to talk about the fact that God is one. Okay? So, God is one. In Scripture, this is proclaimed. We see this in Scripture, everywhere in Scripture. Beginning in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, the people of God, the Israelites, believed that there is one God. In fact, this is pretty much what is most important to them, that there is one God. This is the first thing that they learned about their God early on in their relationship with Him. In fact, the idea that there is one God is in the daily prayers, was in the daily prayers of the Jewish people back then. And even today, they prayed this every single day, and many Jewish people do this every single day. And you, you, you know what it is. It's the Shema. That prayer starts in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. This says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And God himself affirms that in Isaiah 45, verse 5, he says, I am the Lord, 
and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. Do you guys remember the Ten Commandments? Oh, you guys are nodding your head. What's the first commandment? Do you guys remember? You guys are, you know, the first commandment is related to this. Because there's only one God. The first thing that God told the Israelites in their covenant together is this. In Exodus, I believe Exodus 20 verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number one. Because he's the only God. Because having other gods would be false. And God is not a God of falsehood. He's a God of truth. One God. And this oneness of God continues to be proclaimed in the New Testament. Look at 1 Corinthians 8 verse 4. We know that an, old, that, that an idol is nothing at all in the world. And that there is no God but one. Okay? Now, in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 6, we read about this, something about this one true God. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 6. Yet for us there is one God. The Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist. We're going to talk more about this verse. Okay, We're going to continue it later on. But for now, it would suffice for us to say at this point in our study that this one true God is the Father. And from this one God, He is the source and originator of all things. He is the brains behind the operation. He is the divine will. He is the planner, the organizer. He is the thinker. He is the source of everything in this world, including me and you. We see that there. So this one true God is the Father. The Father is God. You see that? Now, this one true God, the Father, says about himself, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. That title, Lord, that's mine. It's my name. In the original, that's his first name, Yahweh. Right? But we translate it as Lord. That's that's him. And I don't give that to any others because he's, he's the only God. But look at this. Look at this one. Look at this verse. In the New Testament, this has been revealed to us. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now, the early church, because Jesus came into the scene, they could touch him, they could hear him, they could see him. And then he proclaimed that he is one with God. That God and him are the same, are are, are one. So, the writer of Hebrews says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and Pay attention to this. The exact representation of his being. It means that what the father is, the son is also. Well, what if we just heard earlier that God does not share his glory with others? How come the son is the exact representation of the father, of God? Well, there's... There's only one conclusion. And this is what the early church concluded. That the Son is God. You can't, have, you can't have it any other way. The Son is God as the Father is God. 
They share the same essence. They share the same mind. They share the same purpose. They are the same in nature. They are God. That's why the Son, Jesus Christ, says, I and the Father are one. Do you remember that? They have the same nature. He has the same nature as the Father. We're the same. That's why we remember Thomas, the Apostle Thomas. Do you guys remember his nickname? What we use around today? Doubting Thomas, remember? Doubting Thomas. When Jesus died and was buried and then raised again, he showed himself to his disciples. But then Thomas heard about it. You know what he said? I'm not going to believe, I'm not going to believe that he rose from the dead unless I put my finger in his hands that were crucified. I would not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Long story short, Thomas was able to put his finger into Christ's crucified hands. You know what he proclaimed after that? Do you guys remember? He said, my Lord and my God. The human being proclaimed what God the Father has revealed to all of us today. That the Son is God as the Father is God. But how about the Holy Spirit? Where does he come into this uh, equation? I mean, this idea, this whole Trinitarian uh, doctrine has been studied for decades, for, for centuries Right for centuries, starting from the early church. And there's only so much that we can do in half an hour, but we'll try our best. The Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians three, seventeen to eighteen. I think this is the best verse for this. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Since God does not share His glory or His Lordship with anyone, and given that the Lord is the Spirit, it means that the Holy Spirit is God. I want you to think about that. We have one true God. And the, this one true God is three in persons. But they are united in essence. They are united in purpose. They are united in mind. They are united in nature. And they are united in love. That's the one God in three persons. That's the one God of the Trinity. But where's the three persons? You see the three persons right there. But here's the three persons. They are individuals. They are a community within that Godhead. The Son is not the Father. And the Father is not the Son. Because the Son cannot be His own Father. The Father is the Father of the Son, and the Son is the Father, is the Son of the Father. Okay, I'm confusing myself. Okay? The Father is not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father, because the Father because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father. The Holy Spirit proceeds or comes from the Father. And it's the same thing. The Son is not the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is not the Son. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Son. He also proceeds from the Son. 
There is unity and diversity in the Godhead. So we cannot affirm that God is just one. We have to affirm that He's also three. One and three. I know it's confusing, but we have to remember that this is how God has revealed Himself in Scripture. We cannot fall into the trap of many who have come before us that thought that Son, Father, Holy Spirit are three gods. That there is tritheism in Christianity. It's not true. There's no three gods. There's one God. But there's three persons. Also, it is not true that the Father is the one God. Okay? And He created the Son. And the Son is like a lesser God than the Father. And then the Son created the Holy Spirit who is even lesser than the Son. They are all equal. They are all, they all share the same God, uh, deity and divinity. And we can also agree to the previous teachings in the past. Some people still believe it in today that the Father is the one God who appears in different modes of activity or forms of activity. Some of, the, some of these people would say that the, there's only one God, and sometimes this one God appears as a, he wears a mask. He appears as the Father. And one time he came to earth, he appeared as the Son. And then now he appears to us as the Holy Spirit. That is not true, because then they can be all together at the same time, in the same place. And we see in Scripture that they talk to each other, they're all there at the same time. And because... It's not, we know it's not true because we can't explain the baptism of Jesus. What do I mean by that? Here, listen to this. If Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are just one and there's no individuals in there, how can we explain Matthew 3, 16 to 17? As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We see the persons of the Trinity all there at one time, interacting with each other. There is unity and diversity in the Godhead. God is indeed three in one. Now, why is this important for us today? Why do we need to think about this? Why can we just say, okay, let's just believe in God, okay? And not think about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, it is important, like I said earlier, if we do not proclaim that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we will not really understand Scripture as we are supposed to. We will not understand our baptism because in our baptism, we are baptized in the name, one name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will not understand creation. We will not understand salvation. We will not understand our discipleship. We will not understand our community together being in one mind with diverse parts. We will not understand the love that exists within this community of persons within the Trinity. We will not. And one of the biggest things about this is that we need to understand how God works. The Trinitarian God works as He is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you're going to get something from this, I want you to get that. And I'm gonna, we're going to walk ourselves through that with a series of verses. 
But I want us to remember that there is one God and there's three persons who have different, who have different unique purposes and, and should I say works and roles. God does things through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's explain. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us, there is but one God. We saw this earlier. There's one God. The Father from whom all things come and from whom we live. We understand that everything comes from God. He is the originator of everything. He is the planner. He is the brains. He is the divine will. But look at the second part. But there and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. God decides to do something. And guess how he does it? He does it through Jesus Christ. You see that? In John chapter 1 verse 1, we read that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When God spoke, let there be light. He was speaking Jesus. When he uttered, let there be light, Jesus was at work. Through whom all things came. Things came through Jesus because God uttered the word. And the word is Christ. Do you see that? God thinks of doing something and he does it through Jesus. He is his agent. Now how about the Holy Spirit? What, what does he do? Ephesians 3.16. There's a lot of verses, but I went to this one because it's so clear. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. The Apostle Paul is praying to us that the Holy Spirit will do his work in us. And this is his work. God the Father decides, wills, originates to do something. Through Jesus the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is to say that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross will be for nothing if the Holy Spirit is not here with us today. If the Holy Spirit did not indwell us today. He is the God who lives in us today. Now, this is really the thing that I would like us to hoist in. We believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe I speak for all of us when we say that. We understand that in the Bible, God tells us about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But a lot of our emphasis is on Father and the Son. And we don't emphasize enough on the Holy Spirit. And when we don't do that, you know what happens? We rely on our, on our own work, on our own power to do what God desires for us to do. Whereas he has given us the Holy Spirit who empowers us. Who reminds us, who tells us the truth, who helps us to pray, who gives us the, word to, the words to speak. You know, I'm here standing in front of you. I'm, I'm not really, if, if I'm just me, I won't be able to do this. You know, you, know how, you know how nervous I get when I come here? You know how my heart just 
want to pop, pop out of my chest when I, when I come up here every single time. I thank the Holy Spirit for empowering me today. And every time I stand here, we need to remember that God, and we need to know that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now let's give an example. Salvation, okay? How does God work as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? This is our scripture reading today. In salvation, God works like that. Father originates through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look, but when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son. He's the originator. He's the sender. And He sent His only Son. He effected salvation through His Son. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. And now the Holy Spirit. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God has made you also an heir. It is through the Holy Spirit that we get that confidence to see God as not only our master, as not only our God. The Holy Spirit gives us the confidence to come to Him as our Father. We can ask Him of anything. And He loves us as a father would love His child. We have that relationship with Him. And we can... Grab this with our hands because the Holy Spirit enlightens us on this particular fact. You know, the Trinity, one God in three persons. Knowing God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit means He is one in three. And I want us to just really understand that because if we don't, it's going to be tough for us to understand our relationship with God. We have unity and, and diversity in the church because God has unity and diversity in Himself. We love because God, from the very start, you know, 1 John 4, verse 8, is love. And you can only be loved if you have an object of love. You can't love just you because that's not love. Okay? Love has to be an object of something or someone. Okay? If God and the Holy Spirit and the Son did not exist eternally together, that means that there's a time when God was not love. Because He'd just, by, he'd just be by Himself. But Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are together in community. The Son loves the Father. The Father loves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves the Son. And round and round it goes for eternity. He knows what love is. And so that love... We want that to be in our congregation as well, in the church. That's the kind of love that God desires for his family. Not just acquaintances. We want to really understand each other so that we can bear each other's burdens, so that we can encourage each other, so that we can tell each other the hard things, the difficult things that need to be said. That's the lesson for today. But I want us to really hoist this in. This teaching that God is one in three. I was thinking about an illustration, but I was coming up short. 
But then I came up with this. I saw this verse. 1 Timothy 6, 15 to 16. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in approachable light, in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. How can we illustrate this one in three concept of the Trinitarian God? Look at that light. He is light. You see that? Look at the sunlight. I saw this in Britannica.com. I remember this from when, when, I was, uh, when I was in school. Okay? Sunlight has three major components. Do you guys know what they are? The one that gives you sunburns. UV, UV light. Ultraviolet light. That's the first one. You can't see it. But it's the source of vitamin D. Kind of like God the Father is the source. Right? It's the source of vitamin D. The second one is the visible light. That's the light that you can see. It gives us color. Just like Jesus Christ who came, we, we could see him. Right? The last one is the infrared light. That's part of one ray. One ray has these three major parts. Without each of these, there's not going to be a, a, a sunlight ray. The infrared light, you know what it does? It gives heat. Just like the Holy Spirit gives the power. But as I conclude this morning, I want us to think about that. And I want to extend, this is it right here. This is it right here. I forgot to click it right there. I want to extend that illustration of the ultraviolet light as being the source of vitamin D. Okay? I read on Britannica.com that many cities don't get the source of vitamin D from the sunlight. You know why? Because their atmosphere is polluted. So they don't get the UV light. This morning as we close, I want us to think about the God, the one true God in three persons whom we serve and whom we worship. And I want us to get rid of all of our encumbrances so that we can really appreciate His love, His rule, and His salvation. That He is God, He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us stand and sing.